Welcome to Sunday morning at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and in our recent past, we have welcomed the newborn king into the world. We have watched as the shepherds and the angels and the magi all sought to put themselves into the presence of Christ. We do that today as we come together to worship and to celebrate and then seek to do that every day for the rest of our lives. Let's take this journey together. We are so glad you're here. Come on in. I'll be reading from Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary, but his understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youth will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading is from Mark's Gospel. We are continuing picking up right where we were last week. If you remember Jesus in his first event in his public ministry, where he is speaking to a group of people, comes into the synagogue and teaches as one with authority, right, and God. Yes, that's what gave him authority. And in the midst of that assembly, Somebody rises with an unclean spirit. Jesus casts that spirit out. And we are picking up right after that in the very next verse. Mark 1, 29 through 39, listen for the word of the Lord. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sunset, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city, the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said, hey, everyone's searching for you. Jesus answered, let us go to the neighboring towns 
so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So again, we're picking up right where we left off. Jesus ends his time in the synagogue and moves on to a house, Peter's house. Simon becomes Peter later, and it's Peter's house. Some of the disciples are with him, and someone is sick. Who's sick? Peter's mother-in-law. What? Which tells us that Peter was married. You don't have a mother-in-law unless you have a wife. Now we don't hear anything else about Peter's wife. We don't hear anything else about this mother-in-law, but all three of the synoptic gospels, that's Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all tell this same story that Peter's mother-in-law has a fever and Jesus comes and heals her. So interesting. Was she there and just not lifted up or written about? Or has she died and so Peter was still honoring that relationship and caring for her mother? We, we don't know. We simply don't know. But the mother-in-law has fever, and it's fever in all of the Gospels. It's not an unclean spirit. This isn't seen as a demon or something else. It's fever. How many people this season since September, October have had fever? I got a fever. Yes. So Jesus takes her by the hand and lifts her up. Lifts her up. Takes her by the hand and lifts her up. The Greek word agarin is the same one used when Christ is raised from the dead. Same Greek word. He takes her, he pulls her, lifts her up, and heals her, frees her of that fever. And immediately there was a response. She was well, and does she run and tell her friends, guess what? Jesus healed me. Nope. Does she run to the synagogue and offer a prayer of thanks? She does not. The first thing she does, and again, it says it in all three gospels, the the synoptic gospels, is to say that she served him. She served him immediately. He came and took her by the hand, lifted her up. Then the fever left her and she began to serve them. Not just him, but them. The word is uh, the Greek word diakone, which is where we get the diaconate. It is a word for serving and caring for others. It is not just providing food, although hospitality is a part of that. It can easily and more weightily be translated as she ministered to them. Peter's mother-in-law. She's the first one in Mark's gospel to serve, to respond to what happened to her 
and to care for others because she was healed first. So from there, they brought that evening, they brought to him all who were sick and possessed with demons. It doesn't say three or four. It doesn't say 10 or 20 or 100 or 200. It says all. Now, these were little fishing villages around the Sea of Galilee where Jesus starts his ministry, but it still says all. The whole city was gathered around the door of the mother-in-law. All of them were there. Jesus is working overtime to heal, to cast out these unclean spirits. And with the demons, one more piece, he would not permit them to speak because they knew him. Who knows Jesus before anybody else, even the disciples? The demons and the unclean spirits do. They know him already when nobody else does. The disciples won't get it until his uh, uh, resurrection and until the Spirit descends even at Pentecost to put those pieces together. But the evil spirits know. In Mark's gospel, they have something um, called the messianic secret. Jesus doesn't want them to know who he is just yet. Maybe it's because he would cause too much of a commotion if everybody knew indeed that he was the Savior, the Son of God, the Messiah, the promised one, the anointed one. Or maybe it's that he wants to finally announce his true identity through the crucifixion and resurrection, which is where all of this gospel is leading towards. In the Gospel of Mark, the word immediately is used over 40 times because it's moving us to Holy Week. It's moving us to the cross and to the empty tomb. It's moving us along. Mark gives us short accounts, not like the other Gospels, of significant events because he's moving us to what's important, the true identity, which comes at the end of Jesus' earthly life. So we cast those demons out and would not permit them to speak because they knew him. So in this part already, what do we see? Vicki talked about Jesus's hands. We know from several healings that Jesus doesn't have to touch. He doesn't have to lay hands on. He can speak miracles. He can speak healings. And he does in places, but the majority of time in his healings, he does touch in order to heal. Why does he do that when he doesn't have to? These are sick and outcast and unclean people in that time and place. Still today, those that we would put in that on the margins category, we may not want to touch. But Jesus does. Why? Nobody else would. Very good. And the symbolism of what that means, Christ is seeking an intimate relationship with us and he touches them 
to make them whole, to heal them, and to get their lives back the way God intended. This is an intimate God who uses God's hands to convey the love of God for the world. He takes his hand and he lifts her up and immediately she serves. Our calling is the same. However, you see yourself being healed. Maybe it's this conversion moment where Christ took you by the hand. Maybe it's your final decision or a decision to follow Christ. Maybe you look back over your life and you see from the timeline of your life that God indeed has been with you and you decide to open yourself to the presence of Christ, God, the Holy Spirit, and follow. And then, just like this woman who was healed, our response should be the same. We need to serve this Savior who changed our lives now and in the afterlife. We are to follow, and one of the main ways we do that is to serve others. Christ isn't with us in bodily form, so how do we care and worship for Christ? We serve Christ by serving others, God's children. At times, we will need to be served as we are in difficult and broken places, but our job is to go serve. And today, as Vicki told you, it is about the hands and their work. Jesus lifted her up with his hands. He cast out these demons and healed with his hands. He went to spend time with God because he was overwhelmed and needed some peace and quiet and prayed, maybe with his hands. And he continued to proclaim and cast out with his hands. The other part of this that is important is that when Peter comes to look for him because he's gone and they can't find him because he has gone to find some time with God, Peter says, where are you? Scripture says literally they were hunting for him. Where'd he go? I don't know. But they found him and Peter is a little bit scattered. They're all here. They're all at my mother-in-law's house and I haven't heard the end of it. The whole city is there and Jesus doesn't even respond to him directly. He says, we need to get up and go to the neighboring towns so I can continue to proclaim the message. That is what I'm here to do, proclaim the message. Now, the healings are a part of what God and Christ and the Spirit do for us. They heal us in a variety of ways as we let God in this life and the next. But what's bigger than that, Christ says, is the message that I've come to proclaim. And that is the reconciliation of humankind to God through him, Christ who brings us back together with God, as we talked about in the prayers of confession. Proclaim the message that the kingdom is at hand. Why is it at hand? Because Christ is at hand and the kingdom started and came at that point. It will be brought to fruition when Christ comes again in the second coming. And now we are in that time in between and we 
are the hands of Christ as God set this up. So, but it's important to know that Jesus went to proclaim the message and that was more important than what would have been seen as the show, the miracle man who just touches and people are healed, who does tricks and who does miracles. That's a byproduct of the power, love, and grace of God, of Christ. But what's more important is to proclaim Christ. And so on this day, we too are being called to proclaim him with our hands. Vicki challenged you, I will do just the same. This week, I want to challenge you to proclaim Christ's love, grace, hope, peace, compassion, not with words, but with your hands. You can heal others with a handshake or an embrace or cooking of food or passing out things that are needed, holding hands with someone in need or in a, who's in a broken and terrifying place and moment. Your hands are gifts and tools of ministry. I challenge you this week, not about the words this week, proclaiming the message is about your hands. And let me know, let us know what you do at the church. I would love to hear your experiences. So let us go and know that we are to proclaim his message. He will continue to seek healing and wholeness for us And it's our job to serve him because we have been made whole through the power of his crucifixion and resurrection. It doesn't mean all bad things are gone. It doesn't mean we won't ever be sick. It doesn't mean there won't be bad things in the world. It means our hands will proclaim him in the midst of all of those things. Jesus also uses his hands at the table. He is gathered with them at the meal for the last time that they spend together, the last meal. Christ, it is Christ who sets this table and this table belongs to Christ and Christ has set this meal and invites each of you and the world to join him at this table. Come and see, Christ says, and let's Spread this joy and grace together. 